the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Special message 1844. This is a very special message over here. Because today, we, have, we will watch some of the slides of a guy who was a devil worshiper. Many of you have watched him. Roger Mono. How many have watched Roger Mono here? Triple into Supernatural. How many? How many have watched Triple into, into the Supernatural? By Roger Mono, who was a, de a, a, a devil worshiper. And he became a Seventh-day Adventist. So part of the sermon today is one of his testimony. Because some of his points are very important for us as Seventh-day Adventists to understand them today. So, when we talk about 1844, we have to go back in Hebrew chapter 9, verse 27, it says, And as it appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of men, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There are two things which are, are, are spoken in 1844. There is an investigative judgment. The death, when the people are dead, they are in death. They are not alive. They don't get any other state of being. So there is state of death, investigative judgment, and the first angel message points people to the creator of heaven and earth. Fear God. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, 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 good. Okay, so, there are things that we have to understand here. In 1844, when God raised this movement, he put the issue, the creation week, the first angel message, the investigative judgment, the state of the dead. That when people are dead, they are really dead. You can't change it. You can't pray for them. Now, let's go back to this chart. 457 BC. And I want us to come to this point over here. 27 AD, Jesus was baptized. 31 AD and a half, he was crucified. And Stephen was stoned in AD 34. This is very important because we are going to break on that. And when you come to 538, the papers came to power. And persecution went all the way to 1798. And then in 1844, you have Advent movement. The name Laodicea means judging the people. That's what it means. The word Laodicea means judging the people. So from this particular time, we are living in the judgment. 
That's very important. Now, let's come back over here. This is the sanctuary picture. AD 27, Jesus came in the sanctuary. Not in heaven, okay? Let me say, let me break down what I say. John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day John see Jesus coming unto him and say, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus came to Jordan, John saw him as the Lamb of God. He was speaking a sanctuary language. Because this earth, our planet, is an outer court. Remember that. He did not come in the sanctuary in heaven, no. I didn't say that. I, he, he came as a lamb of God. And what did he do? He went to the lever. He went for baptism. This thing don't work, but... He went there at the lever. That was AD 27. AD 31, he went on the altar of sacrifice. He was crucified in Calvary. He died for me and for you. So you can only understand this picture over here if you go back and understand from the going forth of the decree 457 BC coming down to, to AD 27. Now the thing here is this that when John said behold the Lamb of God which takes out the sin of the world, the thing is that the Jews as a nation did not recognize him. They rejected him. Okay? When he went at the altar of sacrifice in AD 31 and a half, when he was crucified, they rejected him again. That's very important. Because we are going to see things over here. Now, at the same time again, in AD 31, after he was resurrected, he went to heaven. And when he went to heaven, this is what happened. The Jews as a nation did not recognize what was taking place in heaven. But the disciple. The few disciples understood it. And here it says in Acts of Apostles, page 38 and 39, Christ's ascension to heaven was the signal that he, his followers were to receive the promised, bless, uh, the promised blessing. For this they were to wait before they enter upon their work. When Christ passed within the heavenly gate, he was thrown amidst the adoration of angels. As soon as this ceremony was completed, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples in rich currents, and Christ was indeed glorified even with the glory which he had with the Father from all eternity. The Pentecostal pouring was a heavenly communication that the Redeemer's inauguration was accomplished. He had sent the Holy Spirit from heaven to his followers as a token that he, he had as a priest and a, and, a, and a king received all authority in heaven and on earth and was the anointed one over his people. So they received the power of the that Jesus is a high priest. So if the Jews would have understood before when they said, behold, the Lamb of God, they could even understand this one. Because if they understood that the real Lamb of God is here, they could understand when he went on Calvary as the Messiah, uh, as the what? As the Lamb of God to die for his people. They did not un un understand that. Because of pride, they did not want to humble themselves. 
This is very important because as we are going, we see that Christianity today is in the same precipice. Rejecting Jesus Christ and picking ideas which are not even biblical. Now, John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, he saw Jesus. He sees Jesus in heaven. And, and I turn. This is Revelation 1, 12 and, uh, and 13. And I turn to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I, I saw seven golden candlesticks. So where, where is Jesus here? He's in the first apartment. He's in the first apartment of the sanctuary. He came in this planet as the, as the what? As the, the Lamb of God. When he was going to Jordan, John see him as what? As a lamb. So this planet is an outer court. And in the midst of the seven kind of stick, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet. And so here Jesus is in the first apartment. And he had in his right hand seven stars. In the first apartment, you have golden candlesticks, seven, and you have what? Seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp twelve sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth. Jesus tell him, it's me. You know, I was in this planet. I was in the planet. It's me that you died as a lamb of God. Now, it's me as a high priest. And I am alive forevermore. And have the keys of hell and death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The midst of seven stars which thou sowest in my right hand. So, Jesus introduced himself to John. He said, it is me. I was dead and I am alive. It is me, I was the lamb. But now, I am the high priest. The Jews as a nation again did not recognize. Now, Acts 24, verse uh, 25. And there's a reason of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way. For this time, when I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. Now, here is the thing that apostles always preached about who they were, the judgment. Paul stood before Felix and said, you know what? You know king, you are a most glorious king, but your life is in the record of heaven. One day you'll have to give account for how you live. And when Paul spoke to Felix, Felix was troubled and he said, I'll call you again. So judgment, message, have always been there. But in 1844, God very so distinctive for mankind to understand that our lives are accountable. We are accountable to God. We are not existing on our own. 
And that's why he takes us back to the creation. This planet is God's. God created it. It's not from anywhere else. Now, let's come to 1844. Okay? Hiram Edison is walking in his farm. And he, as they were disappointed in 1844, if you read the, 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 their story, they prayed earnestly. When people left, that small group of people, they really prayed. And when they prayed, they went home. In the following day, Hiram was walking on his farm. And what came to his mind? He stopped immediately. If you watch him, Hiram, over there, over front, over there, there is one of his friends. He saw Jesus. He understood that, oh, the sanctuary had two spaces. It had a first apartment and a second apartment. So Jesus, on October 22, 1844, Jesus must move from the first apartment to the second apartment. This was revealed for Adventist movement. Again, the world at large, Christianity at large, rejected this message. And he embraced something else, which you will see, which will take place. Now, and this brings us to here, three age what? Messages. The second message is that if when a man worships the beast, the, second, uh, the third uh, angel message says that he come out of power, my people. All these three messages today have been rejected by Christianity. So what we just have, what we, we, we just done is to highlight the mistake which God's people have done in the past and see if we can apply to the mistake which Christianity at large today is repeating. So, now, we come here. This man was a devil worshiper. We have some slides to watch. No, not to everything. I took the key point here. And again, what we are going to, to hear here. Wait with the Bible. And the spirit, pro, uh, the spirit of prophet, particularly the book Great Controversy. I'll give you the chapter. Can our daddy speak to us? The investigative judgment and the holy of holies. I give those three chapters. Let's hear what the high priest of the demonic said and see if that is what is taking place on the Christianity to, to today. I think you have a sound. And, uh, as we talk, uh, uh, the band leader says, how long have you fellows been involved with sorcery? <laughs> and he chopped us a little bit and I said, exactly what do you mean? Well, he said, you know, what you people are doing, talking to the supposed spirits of the dead. He says, this is, this is, this is silly. And this man had been at the seance with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's telling you that it's silly what you've yeah. just done. Because, see, my wife, he says, goes to the seances because she gets comfort and she gets uh, something good out of it, good feeling out of it. And she lives for what the spirits uh, you know, are going to see that the future is going to be like. To me, he says, I can't bother with this stuff. He says, I want power. I go right to the source of power. And he says, how do you think that I became famous the way that I am? Well, I said, you must have had some good luck. Well, he says, there's no such thing as good luck. He says, there's either some power working for you somewhere, or you don't get ahead in this world. 
not in my my type of occupation. So um, it went from there. We went. We got talking about uh, spirit worship. Did it intrigue you? Or did it make you want to find out more about what exactly he was talking about? Yeah. So he said, "The supposed spirits of the dead that you're talking with are demon spirits. You're fallen angels. They're beautiful beings." Just set it out, just like. Oh that. yeah. It didn't make you uneasy when he said they were. Well, it shocked you a little bit, you know, something that you first hear uh, mentioned to you. He said, uh, you guys have got a great future ahead of you. Because we've been told, the high priest of our society, secret society, has been told that the master has very special plans for you too. Now, what did he mean by the master? Uh, Satan. And uh, we were interested to hear more about it. And he told us, he says, look, we worship spirits. We worship Lucifer, the Lucifer and all his angels. They're just as beautiful as they did before they were cast out of heaven. He says there was a misunderstanding in the whole thing. He says among the inhabitants of the galaxies. And he says our master was misunderstood, and God did not bear with him like he does with with people that make mistakes today. So we're in a warfare, good against evil, and we happen to be the evil ones, but we're not that bad. He says, I look at this business between the forces of good and evil. He says, you believe in, in uh, one person believes in God, and everyone believes in Lucifer. It's like politics. So the great controversy mm -hmm. is real. And you yeah. heard someone talk about it that's on the other side. Mm -hmm. And to these people, <clears throat> they are sold to the fact that uh, Christ, will not return to this planet with power and great glory. He's going to abdicate all claims to the planet because this, the high priest once said that uh, Christ will abdicate all claims to the planet because he knows that it is lawfully and rightfully Satan's. And at, and at that time he says, Luc uh, Lucifer, you, you mentioned Lucifer a lot of times, but he mentioned Satan also. He says, the master, usually they, they like to talk about the master. The master will... So, the band leader is telling them, what you guys are doing, the supposed spirit of the dead is that, that you are talking to, a demon what? Spirit. And he said that we are in the great controversy. Now, ask yourself this question. How many Christians outside there understand about the great controversy? Not many. Is great controversy been preached outside there? A preachers preaching that we are in the in the war between good and evil is not preached. Now, the second one we are going to watch is three uh, three major deception that Saturn and his angel discussed in 1700. And see, ask yourself this question: Is this today happening in Christianity? He talked about. Um Three, three very unique services that, that I had attended there that sit on my mind forever. One was entitled Christian Idolatry. <clears throat> Another one was entitled The Super Deception of, of a Glorious New Age, which actually applies to the New Age today.
And this was 1946 that we're talking. And then the other one was Satan's Great General Council of the 1700s. And Mr. The Things That I Heard There was an eye-opener. First of all, we'll go through the Great General Council. Okay. At the beginning of the 1700s, said the high priest, Satan and uh, all his spirit counselors held a great general council with one purpose in mind. It was to prepare for the great industrial age that was soon to break upon the world. And uh, Lucifer also foresaw another age that was to follow that, where tremendous scientific discoveries would be made by people and we would enter an, a unique age that would change the way that everybody lives. It would also serve to usher in the end times and the close of the great controversy between the forces of good and evil. And the priest said that, that Lucifer had been studying the Bible. And he found in, the, in Daniel 12.4, where we are told about the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall be in increased. Mm -hmm. He understood it to be that we are getting to that point. And he had, with all the spirit counselors, to change their modes of operation in order you know, to ensnare people mm -hmm. and uh, to devise a way whereby people would disqualify themselves from being members of Christ's kingdom. And he was just very candid about this. Oh, yeah. Telling yeah. you and yeah. the rest of the group, 60 or 70 people there, yeah. the plans that yeah. first people. Lucifer had revealed to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the time the council came to a close, they had three major policies that were going to be followed. First, they were to see to it that humans would be made to believe that Satan and his angels do not really exist. Because up to that time, you could walk down a, a street of Paris and you would have signs that would, that would say, well, you have a, a soothsayer or, you know, or a, a fortune teller of some type and and if you want to put a, a curse on someone, you could go and see this other old lady over there, you know, the, the old witch, that's the way it goes. Uh, but now it had, it had to change. Lucifer says, we have to make sure that people, humans, get to believe that, uh, that Satan and his angels do not really exist. You know, Roger, that's interesting because a recent research study report that I read indicated that in a national survey, I believe it's over 75% of people mm -hmm. do not really believe in a real tangible devil. Mm -hmm. But there is one. Oh, yeah. Now, the next thing, that the three parts policy that they had uh, adopted there, the second one was to find a way of being able to get total control of people's minds. And that would be done by taking hypnotism out of the realm of the occult and introduce it as a new science for the benefit of mankind. So part of what the high priest told you was Satan's strategy to take total control of people's minds. Mm -hmm. They felt that uh, by taking hypnotism out of the realm of the occult and introducing it as a new science for the benefit of mankind, they could then use people of great renown, educators, people of capacity, that would uh, do great things such as supposedly regress people in time to pre to former lives that they had mm. and of course after the session is over the person would not 
know a thing about ancient history. So, Saturn made three points. We'll see the last one because the last one actually is even is hard one. Okay, this other one is how they will destroy the, the, the Bible without burning it. Into people's lives. Now, what were those three points again, Roger? The three things yeah. were, number one, that they did not want Satan, Satan did not want the human family to think that he or his angels existed. Right. The second point that you made had to do with taking control of people's minds. That's right. The third point was what? Was to destroy the Bible without burning it. Okay. See. And what was his strategy on that? On that, um, it was very interesting. Because after the great general council, it was decided that Satan would tutor Charles Darwin personally in setting up the, uh, uh, the principles of his theories of evolution. He was tutored by Lucifer himself, fallen Lucifer. Mm. And at that time, it was understood, Satan and his uh, spirit counselors understood that if a person was led to believe in the theory of evolution, it would in his life destroyed completely the, the, the uh, creation week of the Bible, the fall of Maine, and the plan of redemption. It would do away with it. In one fell swoop. Yeah. Now, he made a, a unique statement. He said that according to the spirits, anyone that teaches a theory of evolution is considered to be a minister of a great religious system. See, he called it the religious system. Uh, the theory of evolution, <laughs> because it is a, uh, a system of schooling people and getting them to disqualify themselves and being members of Christ's kingdom. And he said that every teacher of that theory is recognized by the spirits as a person of great value and receives a very special unction from Satan himself, giving great power to induce spiritual blindness, to convince and convert. Three capacities are given to those teachers of the theory. Then, that's not all. The priest says that Satan considers the teachers of the theory of evolution to be so valuable to him that in the sight of all the inhabitants of the galaxies, he assigns a retinue of pride. So, the theory of evolution is a great religious system. That's what he says over there. Is a great religious what? System. So whether people are teaching it at the university, anywhere, is a great religious system. How much does it affect people today, the theory of evolution? And that's why we need to, to make sure that people understand the first angel message. Because we call it a theory. But here they say is a religious system. Now let's check another one. We got two more to go. Two more slides. We got let's check this. Another one is about the Christian idolatry and how this will be done. And ask yourself a question: Is this what is happening? Is happening in Christianity? Christian churches? Okay. 
and made me sick at heart. It's when the priests uh, talk about uh, Christian idolatry. What is Christian idolatry? The priest mentioned that word. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us what he said, Roger. He said that Christian idolatry is the, the, the most grandiose or great deception that has ever been brought up upon the uh, human family, upon mankind. And he says, in, and he boasted, that demon spirits are continually defiling Christian churches through the avenue of necromancy by using a form of spirit worship that involves hundreds of millions of Christians into idolatry without their being aware of it. Now, what is necromancy? Describe ne or define necromancy for me. Their belief, popular belief of necromancy, is to conjure the spirits of the dead. So you can speak with someone who has died. Right. The seance that you originally went to mm -hmm. was the practice of necromancy. Yeah. Now, the priest says that the, su the super deception is brought about in only one way. Through the deceptive belief that man has an immortal soul that lives on after death. And he said that constitutes idolatry, idolatry through necromancy. So he says there are hundreds of millions of Christians that are practicing idolatry. What do you think? They're glorifying God. <laughs> See? Because they believe that the soul is immortal. Yeah. They may not be talking to the yeah. supposed spirits of the dead. Yeah. Contrary to popular belief, necromancy does not consist of conjuring the spirits of the dead. The reason being that man is totally mortal and does not possess an immortal soul. So, who are they talking to? He says, the friendly demon spirits that have always found over the centuries great delight in impersonating apparitions, departed loved ones, and persons of great renown. Now, friendly demon spirits. Friendly demon spirits. Are there more than one kind of demon oh, spirits, yeah. mm -hmm. Roger? Well, there's three main divisions, and then there's divisions within those divisions. You have the friendly demon spirits that seem to have uh, their finesse and their refinement and uh, they're not upset about what happened when they were thrown out of heaven, from what I gather. Then you have the warriors. They like to bring misery and destruction in the lives of people. Then you have the oppressors. The oppressors are, are the real wicked spirits that, that hate God with all of their, the creator with all of their might. You know. So he went on explaining. He says, now, necromancy is in reality a belief, a religious belief. People believe that the dead have entered into a higher state of existence than they had when they were alive. Also that they are in a position and have the capacity to help the living here on earth. See? Then he said, it's, he says, this is where things get really interesting. He said, according to the great master, a person does not have to supposedly call upon the spirits of the dead to receive help, you see to be involved in the necromancy. All he needs to do is to believe in life after death. Because he said, necromancy is the belief that man is human, uh, as a human being, as, as a immortal soul. So anybody that believes that man has an immortal soul is involved in necromancy. It's that simple. That's the way he explained it. Hmm. Yeah. So how does that <coughs> constitute idolatry? by people believing that they are 
either talking to the saints, you see, the spirits of the dead, dead saints, or a dead relative, or a dead person of some type. And you take, for instance, like uh, Loretta Lynn, she owes, she says on national television, and uh, I have the data on it, that, that, that I heard it myself, she said that she was... So, is this what is taking place in Christianity today? And this is the same belief that non-Christian denomination are holding on. Islam, Asia, uh, Eastern uh, uh, religion, African religion, Necro, uh, uh, believing in the, uh, in the state of the dead, that when people are dead, they are in heaven or they are somewhere, is something that is buried within Christianity and all these other non-Christian religions. The only difference is the name. These are Christian and these are non-Christian. But they have the same belief. So this is the greatest problem. And why is this when they rejected the first angel message? Now we are going, this is the last slide. And he will tell us what was discussed and what will be the solution for this problem, these calamities that happened and everything. We'll see what they are saying. Because this, has, this message has been preached by Adventism since 1844 to today. But let's hear what the uh, Saturn and his angel de decided. What will be the solution of this problem we have today? And uh, let's see. Uh, was right up my alley. The priest said that as the times on this planet gets more and more difficult, and calamities of all kinds are striking the planet more and more frequently. Demon spirits are going to impress people with, with the, the importance of Sunday sacredness. Roger, when I was a teenager back in the 1970s, I remember a song that came out talking about the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And since then, we've seen the development of the New Age. And I wondered if back when you were involved in spirit worship, if they talked about New Age at all. Oh, yes. There was a big thing that uh, was coming up. One of the uh, major deceptions of the last days. Mm. And the priest uh, told us, uh, he had, we talked uh, quite a while, and uh, then he said, uh, could I have a bit more your time? I want to do something very fascinating. He says, the grand plain, the master's grand plain, for harvesting the nations, uh, for, for harvesting the multitudes of the earth into his cause, just before the close of the great controversy between the forces of good and evil. So we continued, you know, after we uh, expressed ourselves that we're deeply interested to know more about the activities of spirits. And he said, it's going to be done in a unique manner. This, this grand plan is, is, is going to take people, people are going to eat the stuff. Because he says, spirits, demon spirits, will declare themselves to be inhabitants of far distant planets in the galaxies that are coming to warn the inhabitants of planet Earth of the impending destruction of the planet unless something seriously proper is done to avoid it. Mm. And he went on saying that uh, uh, they will claim uh, to have out-of-body experiences. Are you familiar with out-of-body experiences? Mm -hmm. I've read about In them. other words, so a person's, uh, there's some persons are supposed to be able to, you know, uh, they believe in their immortal soul. 
astral projection. Pro yes, right. Goes in two different parts of the world and sees things and come back and then they write all about it. You know. So, <coughs> due to the fact that the millions of the earth people believe in having people having an immortal soul, it has to be readily, readily accepted when the spirits will, through a trans medium, converse with influential people of the land, you see. Now, what is a trans medium? It's a channeler today. What, what is known today as a channeler? Channeler, yeah. Okay. Uh, Shirley MacLaine's experience of getting involved with spiritism and with the uh, inhabitants, suppose inhabitants of far distant planets in the galaxies, I taped the whole thing three hours. When you were hearing the fulfillment of exactly. what this high priest had said yeah. 45 years ago. Yeah, exactly. So, he went on explaining about the fact that the spirits will show themselves willing to give valuable guidance that will not only help people avoid the discredited planet, but it will cause it to enter into a higher state of existence. For instance, he said, the spirits will, will uh, promise and this is a big word, promise, that if their recommendations are followed carefully, they will usher in a glorious new age of peace and prosperity, and there will be, um, well, there will be no more wars, you see, uh, there will be no more famines, there will be no more uh, people getting uh, unhappy with one another, neighbors will love neighbor, and uh, social unrest will not take place no more. It'll be there'll be <laughs> perfect happiness for a thousand years. That's what the spirit is going to promise. And Almost we'll like the Garden of Eden created all uh -huh. over again. And now we find that a lot of preachers are pre are preaching the great age of uh, glorious new age of victory, victory over wars, victory over social unrest, victory over famines, and victory over all kinds of. Uh, and he used the words new age to describe hmm. what was coming. It would be a glorious new age, yeah. And uh, this is exactly what the movement is all about today. Hmm. And he went on and said, as I said earlier, <laughs> that as life on this planet becomes more and more difficult, and calamities will strike the planet more and more frequently, the spirits at that time is go are going to put all their effort to impress religious leaders, to bring before the, the masses of the earth the, the sacredness of Sunday. See? He will teach Sunday sacredness. And with the religious leaders, looking forward to a thousand years of perfect peace on earth, they will put all their effort into it. Then, laws will be passed by governments uh, yeah, when one person asked, what's going to happen about people that don't believe in the Spirit's uh, recommendation? <laughs> the priest said, that would be no problem at all. Laws will be passed by governments that will force people to go along with it, regardless of whether they believe in it or not. And, he says, the law enforcement officers will explain to people, make it clear, that such a law is necessary to assure the well-being of all people. He says, the laws will be passed, no effort at all. And then he, he went on and he, and, and he said about the fact that um, uh, the venerable day of the sun, which in ages past was such an irritant to the Creator, 
all the, these great nations and other nations of smaller ones were all involved in sun worship. And in those centuries, the Creator found that teaching of worship of the sun to be a terrible irritant. And he said, it is going again to take place, but not in worshiping the sun, in remembering Sunday to keep it holy. He made a statement I will never forget. He says, by the observance of the day upon which the master, Satan, has placed the unction of his authority and power, he receives homage, regardless of whom people claim to worship. Isn't that something? So, can you understand now I, I had 28 Bible studies in one week and started to, to go to church on Sabbath and I never missed since uh, until I began to sick. Um, the issue of a day of worship came up in that meeting. Mm -hmm. Was Sunday the only day mentioned? Well, you see, the, the priest mentioned, yes, about the fact Satan has chosen Sunday as his day. The Creator has chosen the seventh day of the week. Lucifer has chosen to call his day the first day of the week, Sunday. See? And regardless of what people uh, claim to, to worship, worshiping God, the Creator, by observing that day, that particular day, they are bringing homage and respect. Now, at that time in your life, you were 20 years old or so. Mm -hmm. Had you ever heard of a Seventh-day Adventist? Never in my life. In no, that meeting, they talk about Seventh Day Adventist. They talk strictly about Adventist. Well, they just talked, but they did. The word Adventist yeah. was mentioned. The priest was telling us that uh, necromancy, as I mentioned earlier, is the belief that the dead have entered into a higher state of existence, etc. And he says, for centuries, friends of demon spirits have worked diligently to establish and uphold in the religious convictions of all people the belief that man has an immortal soul. See? Then he boasted about the fact that the master was so smart and that he had this, deceived the whole world even this, in this age of great scientific knowledge and, and, and understanding. Then one person put his hand up and that priest says, yeah, yes, we want to say something? He says, what about the Adventists? You can't count them to see regarding the, uh, the, the state of the dead. And I got a question. What about, how come they, 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 they can't be brought under the great deception? The priest said, you, you're, you're right. I apologize, says here, I, I made a mistake. When I said that the, the, all the millions of people living on the face of this planet, everybody, you know, was honoring the, the great master. I forgot the Adventists. There's so few number. When you figure the, the billions and all people, I didn't even mention, think of mentioning him. So I'm sorry. Then he says, secondly, the reason why they can't be brought into the great deception, let me explain about it. Now he said, my next statement is going to upset some of you. But what I'm telling you is the honest truth. It, it, it is factual. It's reality. The fact that the Adventists observe the biblical Sabbath of creation and reverence the Creator on that day, it makes it impossible for the spirits to deceive them. They are given very special help and great in spiritual insight. And he said, under these conditions, 
They are not ordinary people. And that stayed with me, man. Just like this. And when I heard the, 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 the word Adventist, when Sir Sarah told me later on, which we're going to cover later, I asked him, I said, what did Namishin belong to? He said, I'm a Seventh Adventist. What's that again? He said, I'm a Seventh Adventist. I said, is that the same thing as, as Adventist? Oh yeah, he says, a lot of people call, call us the Adventists. They don't talk about, about the Seventh Same thing. Boy, I was interested. I bet you were. Now, I wanted to know what his Bible said. Yeah, I bet you did. Because that was the one group that the under question. So, evolution is sweeping across. The immortality of the soul is sweeping across the churches. Sunday sacredness is sweeping across. On May 14, they are going to meet at the Vatican. And their main agenda is how to solve the problem on this planet. And the Pope already have said that the solution is to keep Sunday holy. Is Christianity today repeating the same mistake? The condition, this will be our last quote. The condition of unbelieving Jews illustrates the condition of careless and unbelieving among professed Christians who are willingly ignorant of the work of our most high priest in the typical service. When the high priest entered the most holy place, all Israel were required to gather about in the sanctuary and in the most solemn manner, humble their soul before God, that they may receive the pardon of their sins and not be cut off from, um, from the congregation. How much more essential in this Anti-typical day of our tournament that we understand the work of our high priest and know what duty are required of us. Christianity is going in the same direction as how the Jews did. Holding Sunday, immortality of the soul. These two will gather this planet together under the banner of Satan. But there is a small, you heard them, there is a small group of people that hold the biblical Sabbath, that do not believe in the immortality of the soul. This will be on the way. Here I say Satan has long prepared for this issue. And one of the things which he will use to communicate with the leaders of the planet is through the transmedia. She quotes Revelation 16 verse 13. The three unclean spirits which go to the king of the world. All what we are trying to do here is this. That Christianity is repeating the same mistake which God's people repeated back. And my question is this. If this is what Christianity is holding today, because they deny 1844. They don't want to hear about it. They deny Jesus being the high priest in heaven in the second apartment. Why? Because if he's in the second apartment, he's before the Ark of Covenant. They don't want to hear about it, the law. They're holding the immortality of the soul, the Sunday sacredness, and you come with the hero of evolution is sweeping across. The world is gathering together under certain path. And we need to make a... a, 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 a a informatory choice. We need to make a choice based on the true word of God. Because this will divide.
Saturday and Sunday will be an issue between who serve God and who serve you. May God bless you. At this, at this time, we're going to have uh, hymn number 416, 416. Let's pray. 